0: Investors Chronicle. On the show this week, we've got Alex Newman, Julian Hoffman and Mark Robinson back to talk through the IC's special FTSE 350 review, as well as some chat about the implications of Elon Musk's latest big purchase. All that and more to come. Welcome back to the Companies and Markets show. It is Thursday, the uh, 28th of April. Uh, as we record, uh, joined in the studio by Mark Robinson. Hello, Mark. Hi, John. Haven't, uh, haven't spoken since Easter. Did you, have a, did you have a good one? Yes,
1: it was fine, actually. Uh, didn't do a great deal. Got down, uh, what did I got down? Um, I got down to Wembley one day. Was that over Easter? Yes, I think it was. Lovely. Lovely Ch- stuff. Chelsea uh, and uh, Crystal Palace. Oh yeah, Chelsea win. Are you a
0: big are you a Chelsea fan?
1: No, no, a whole city strangely enough but uh, I just went with uh, friends of mine who happens to be uh, uh, Chil- um, Palace supporters
0: and uh, it was grand. Oh, not for them, presumably. Oh, it was, it was just a great day out. Even the result. <laughs> yeah, uh, also, Alex Newman. Hi, Alex. Hi, John.
2: Yep. How you doing? Good, thank you. Also, also, same question.
0: Also, a good time.
2: Uh, I think I had sinusitis. I can't remember. It was a bit of a blur. Of, um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I, watched the, I watched the Chelsea Palace game, though. Right. Yeah. Um, that was about the, the
0: highlight. And, uh, and then Julian Hoffman as well. Julian, did you watch the Chelsea Palace game? No,
3: no. I redid my patio.
0: Nice. Um, excitingly. Uh, and not for any dubious
3: reasons. It just needed redoing.
0: Right before we get into get into our discussion, let's have a quick news roundup from uh, the week. That's been biggest news this week, probably the Twitter board agreeing to the sale uh, of the company to Elon Musk for around forty-four billion dollars, or fifty-four dollars um, a share. Uh, in a statement, Musk said, "Free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy, and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated." I also want to make Twitter better than ever by enhancing the product with new features making the algorithms open source to increase trust, defeating the spam bots and authenticating all humans. Uh, We're going to have a quick look, sorry, we're going to have a quick chat about this in in a moment or two, but I'll just uh, finish the little news roundup. Um, Elsewhere, minor Anglo-American shares were down 7% on Monday, partly due to a recommendation by the Environmental Assessment Service of Chile to block the expansion of a copper mine, Anglo said. uh, 120% of the emissions linked to it would be mitigated and a full decision is expected within the next week. Uh, Soft drinks company Nichols said chair John Nichols intends to retire after spending more than 50 years in the business. John is the grandson of John Noel Nichols, who invented the company's best-known product, Vimto, in 1908. Bit of trivia. Bit of trivia for you there. Uh, Indonesia, the world's biggest producer and exporter of palm oil, has announced an export ban on oil from Thursday. Uh, Details of this policy are a little hazy at the moment. Um, but it could have potentially serious consequences for several London-listed palm oil producers such as MP Evans and Anglo-Eastern Plantations. Chris Akers has the full write-up uh, on the IC website. Quick look at the markets. Uh, FTSE 100 dipped sharply, open on Monday before recovering to around the 7,500 market time of recording. Um, S&P 500 has lost nearly 7% since last Thursday, Dow Nasdaq. Uh, reflecting similar losses over there in uh, in the U.S. Right, I might just say that uh, the
1: story about nickels is mm. uh, topical, insofar as I think we've either come to the end or coming to the end of uh, Ramadan, and uh, vimto is uh, a drink which is closely associated, not necessarily with the Prophet Muhammad, but uh, uh, when they move into Eid and and, and break the uh, the fast, as it were, uh, I
2: believe. Um, can you? Confirm that, Alex. Or? I know, well, know that I know sales were very popular in the uh, in the Gulf states in the, the Middle East. I, I, having written up their results once about five years ago, that's that is the nugget I'm going to offer you. But um,
1: yes, yes, I'm not quite sure about that. You might have to check that one, John. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's Saudi
3: Arabia, isn't it? Is the biggest. <clears throat> export market yeah I, I remember sort of doing I, I, again like alex having done nickels results probably 12 years ago <laughs> it, could, it could have been worse
0: they could have gone with the uh, ag bar and iron brew
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so is that it's very popular to break the fast with a <clears throat> bottle of Vimto. is that what you're
1: i i think that was the case yeah that and uh and dates mm. but i'm not sure
3: yeah, that I, they were drinking it, is, it, it gets you kind of awake again doesn't it i think that's the because it's basically um, full of sugar, <laughs> mm. so, so that that sort of keeps you, um, you spiritual for the rest of Ramadan. I think. I'm, but, I'm, know, I'm but, not
1: sure that it was uh, used during the the original mm. uh, Hajj, but um, uh, anyway. But in the 20th
0: century, I'm <laughs> I'm going to be a shadow band now. <laughs> uh, well a great segue into our into our first topic because i I do want to circle briefly back to the to the musk takeover uh unfortunately our tech writer arthur sans couldn't join us today so julian given you're the only one out of these three with a twitter account uh i'm going to have to ask you if you're looking forward to all the extra liberation that musk is about to provide
3: uh i I mean i I mainly use my twitter account to troll olaf schultz um (laughs) But, yeah, you know, it's an interesting set of developments. I mean, look, it just kind of keeps swinging from one way to the other. So it now looks like he's broken some sort of covenant on his agreement uh, and he's at risk, perhaps, of not being able to raise the money to um, to buy Twitter. But, I mean, the the story just uh, in this sort of typical Elon Musk way just seems to swing from one extreme to the next. Um, so it could be that the next move is that he's actually sealed it without any issues, and he's also managed to annoy the European Union immediately um, by sort of saying that there, you know, it should be a full, fully free speech platform. And then the, the European Commission has to point out that actually there are certain um, rules that um, uh, platforms have to adhere to in order to, you know, stop things like hate speech and, and things like that. Uh, so we don't exactly, we're not exactly sure whether this will eventually go through, but. Um, uh, there, there is that uh, that saying, isn't there? You should never underestimate someone who overestimates themselves. So you know, you know, you kind of like, you <laughs> might he might be, he might be wrong sometimes, but occasionally he might be very right about it. Uh, and this could be the case with Twitter as well. But it, um, it, with Elon Musk, you just never know. I think that's the honest answer.
1: Well, what struck me about the whole deal as well, and it, and it links into uh, news earlier in the week. Uh, about the Disney Corp, is that is it within the uh, fiduciary uh, obligations of a director to buy up uh, another public company simply uh, on the basis that it isn't ad- adhering to free speech principles? Where's the, Where's the benefit there to uh, to shareholders uh, in Tesla as well, given that um, given that you know uh, Twitter is is consistently underform
2: Underperformed financially. But I mean, he's he's doing it as an individual, isn't he, rather than rather than link- rather than part of the Tesla story? Though I, though, I mean, the implication, I think Arthur's piece is quite interesting this week. That the, I mean, for Twitter shareholders, it's kind of a sewn up, it, you know, there's kind of not much more to say, is there? The deal's either going to go ahead or it's not, and then the share price will you fall back down to whatever it was before. But because he's having to commit so um, much of his Tesla. Holdings to finance the deal. Yeah, there, there is that. There is that. You know, tie in though. It's, yeah, as you say, it's, it's sort of weirdly tied up as everything is with the the personality slash responsibilities of of Elon Musk. But I, I mean, well, presumably, as well, it's going to take up a lot of his energies. Yeah, I time. mean, yeah, that's yeah. But that's that's the, a bigger point, isn't it? I mean, like he he's a proven wealth creator, and you know, I mean, he, he's a. A bit of a sort of a poly business genius having done paypal spacex Tesla but um this this seems more like a vanity project than the other the other um the other ventures in that that he's committed to but i mean you know for i suppose for Tesla shareholders worrying about the stock dropping or being you know affected by this it's also worth bearing in mind that you know they they trade on sixteen times price to sales, which is five times five times as expensive as the automotive industry yeah. so it's not like this isn't a you know insanely frothy company to begin with it's kind of it's just i mean it's just kind of sort of crazy story isn't it but the read across for for markets is fairly minimal really in a way
3: well it's, it's almost like it is the time that you do vanity projects isn't it when your your core holdings are so valued at such high levels you can just pick everything up at you know, at fractions of what they should be in the dollar, isn't it? I mean, that's there is a kind of business logic to it. I mean, the the other interesting thing was, uh, wasn't it, Jeff Bezos who was staring you up by saying that um the Twitter deal might take Elon's Musk's you know eye off the core of his business or something. There was a bit of mutual billionaire trolling. Well, the implication, going on being, as well.
2: That, the implication being that Tesla, having targeted China as such a big market, now may um, have a sort of awkward leverage. Uh, held over them by the by the people's republic Re- people's republic given that you know freedom of speech and the the public you know the the public square that t- twitter represents is perhaps antithetical to some of the you know the way china seeks to be portrayed i mean it's, it's a speculative one uh, and, it. and from a practical perspective as well i guess the further
1: you move up the food chain the further you move away from the actual mechanics of running a company on a day-to-day basis uh, but, you know, it, it's just that he's like other people, like Rupert Murdoch, he's he's synonymous with uh, his
0: organisation. I'll just leave you with a final thought um, from a B.A. Friedman on, on Twitter. He, he wrote that, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you're putting more thought into the implications of Elon Musk buying Twitter than Elon Musk did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I tend to agree with that one. Um, right, let's move on, because this week we've got... Uh, a FTSE three hundred and fifty special um, in our in our magazine this week, an extra what like forty pages of uh, of, uh, of content on the uh, on the top three hundred and fifty companies in the in the UK, and um, uh, we're going to hear about them. A few of them now, if that's all, if that's all right, guys. Uh, Alex, could you just maybe just give an overview of the feature? Like, what what, what have we done here how have we how Have we ranked our companies?
2: Yeah, I, I know I should um, handle credit well to uh, to Dan Jones, the deputy editor so for. For, um, sort of heroically piecing all of this together, having done it in the past a, a few times, it's, um, it's it's a pretty tough undertaking. And we haven't run uh, a FTSE 350 review um, since 2020, when we actually ran two, both before and just after the the market crash. Um, but I mean, the, the the general idea behind it is to is to provide a, a guide to the 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 largest and, and most closely followed um shares in the UK market so uh, that's both the, the both the, the FTSE 100 and the the next 250 companies which um uh, which which follow so the FTSE 350 in total and um we break down each uh, sector subsector and and look at the um look at the prospects for the companies and the 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 themes which are likely to to affect the companies within those subsectors in, in similar ways over the coming year uh give our give our sort of favorites and outsiders takes on um on on on, on yeah on and where they're heading and to uh, provide some sort of da- data backdrop to to how the um the market is, has done over the over the last year and and what analysts are forecasting for the coming one mm. yeah yeah it's uh yeah credit to dan it's a it's a massive
0: undertaking. We've had these articles sort of dripping in for the last month or two, it seems. But um, you, you've all written uh, written pieces covering covering various sectors. It'd be good to to hear about a few of them. Um, Mark, uh, what, what have you written about? What, what comments uh, have you made? Oh uh, well, um, well, firstly, uh, to add to what
1: Alex just said, then as well, we try and make these pieces as forward looking as possible, rather than looking over our shoulders. But that's true of everything that we do uh what what struck me about the sectors that I was looking at this time around is that it was the level of uh, government intervention in each one of these sectors and I guess it might be slightly naive on my part that this is probably um an everyday occurrence but I was looking at um uh, defense utilities tobacco automobiles automobile parts and then healthcare equipment as well and uh and also chemicals, and all of these sectors, to varying degrees, have been uh, affected profoundly by uh, by government uh, legislation and uh, regulatory change over the last uh, year or so. Um, and to give you an an example, you know, you know, tobacco company. We we, we should actually be updating these things uh, as we go along, but I, I, I missed this point the other day is that there was an announcement that tobacco companies could be uh, slapped on the additional um, annual levy of up to 700 million under um, government proposals, uh, which have been put forward by uh, Javed Khan, who is uh, the government's anti-smoking czar.
0: I didn't know we had one of them.
1: There's a czar (laughs) for everything and everything in its place. So he's looking at whether to advise ministers to uh, increase uh, the minimum age for smoking uh, up to 21 or 25 or take New Zealand's approach uh, that outlaws smoking for anyone born after 2008. Um, And there's also talk that e-cigarettes might uh, end up on NHS prescriptions. So I mean, all of this is absolutely fine, you, and you, and you, and it's difficult to argue, arguing against it from a healthcare perspective. But it just seems odd to me, you know, why not a to, well, just why not a total ban? Because it just seems to be a drip, drip, drip on that sector, and so we've we've got a, a position at the moment for investors. But plenty of our our readers or our listeners will be. Uh, shareholders in uh, Bats and Imperial largely uh, down to the yield on offer at the moment. Uh, Bats is probably the uh, the more viable option of the two because Imperial uh, leverage to the hilt, but they're highly cash generative businesses, and they're trying to um trying to re- uh, restyle themselves with with the new range of products that they've got might actually have some uh, health benefits health benefits in, in terms of like opportunity costs it stops you it stops you smoking you know conventional tobacco products and presumably moving on to heroin at some point after that um so so yeah they they are all they're all sort of um focusing on the new category products uh, i think is one of the generic terms for it as well but interestingly with imperial too they're they're also prioritising. Uh, they've got a sort of a Stalin-esque five-year plan where they're they're looking at uh, targeting a specific uh, end markets, the traditional ones actually. Whereas uh, you know we're looking at the US, UK, Australia, and so on. Whereas Bats uh, are not only growing their their alternative products, but of course they they've been targeting emerging and frontier market economies, uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh and Vietnam, which are the only places at the moment where you're getting some growth in the number of people uh, taking up smoking. Because in Western markets, especially amongst the young, that's that's fallen off a cliff. And that's obviously one of the, the structural issues uh, facing the tobacco companies. It, it, it just seems to me that it's, it's odd that they've been... Um, well, perhaps it's not odd, but I, I find it slightly unfair that they've given this pariah state status because it's it's a legal product, and the, it, you know, it's, it's undoubtedly true that it's had incredibly detrimental health effects down through the decades. But it's also it's also been it's also within the law, and it also provides a huge chunk of tax revenue uh, every year. But it's probably just my reactionary stance, really, to, to government intervention. But you, you've also got a point at the moment where today, uh, um, uh, I think uh, uh, Rishi Sunak was uh, talking about a uh, levying uh, an, another tax charge on on the oil companies for excess profits. So I, I don't know what an excess profit is. You know, it, if you're a share, if you're a shareholder in, in Shell or BP, are you going to look at this some trepidation? I mean, what, what is this excess product, hmm. profit? Um, it, I I don't know. It's sort of a mercantilist approach we seem to be taking at the moment, which is anathema for anyone trading in in public markets. So at least that's my uh, that's my view on it. And, it's, and
2: I, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, a lot of the um, you know, the the market swing in the last year with the Hill Review, etc., seems to be we have to bend over backwards to reward, you know, entrepreneurs and do whatever they say, almost take a sort of light-touch regulatory approach because these are the wealth creators. But, um, you know, and there's lots we can say and debate about the merits of, of doing that. But it's interesting the, the the really stodgy, mature industries that the FTSE 100 is packed with has these, they're kind of like sitting targets at the same time, aren't they? I mean, you, yeah. I mean what are what, what the, the tobacco companies going to, what are they going to do if, there's, if they lop another, win, uh, another tax on them? What are the house builders going to do uh, if if the levy gets bumped up, ditto. I mean, Shell and BP, they're slightly different beasts because they they're so wildly prof- profitable globally. There's not really a, a unified global windfall tax move there. It's it's very sort of like piecemeal. And,
1: and, and I think the Chancellor, as well, to be fair to him, he he, he was going to link that tax um, tax on supplementary tax on mm. profits to their. Um, to their investment uh, activities i i didn't see any other details whether that relates to uh, non-fossil fuel investments I'm, I'm not quite sure about mm-hmm. and it seems to me anyway that the you know the, the oil majors are actually making you know fa- fairly substantial commitments uh on this part i i mean we're in, a, we're in a position at the moment where there's an energy crisis and and partly that's down to the fact that uh, Investment fell off a cliff from 2015, uh, and then after the um, after COVID nineteen as well. So you, it's very difficult to just suddenly come up with mm. replacement barrels overnight. You you can't do it, and you, and what we're seeing at the present time, or at least partially, is down to the is is down to the uh, uh, the lack of sort of investment in the intervening period. What do you think, Julian?
3: Oh, right. Yes. Sorry. Uh, I think you've been reading uh, Ayn Rand again, uh, <laughs> Robo, isn't it? Uh, when Atlas shrugged. Um, no, it's an interesting point. And, and it's, it is a, a phenomenon that's sort of spilling over into into these mature industries as well. Uh, you, you notice a lot in the pharma sector, for example, which I seem to be covering at the moment um, a lot, um, that uh, reference pricing is also getting tighter. So that's another way of taxing... Um, uh, taxing companies at source, which is which is really what windfall taxes are, isn't it? They're not they're not based on on performance. They're just based on the essential existence of of an industry and the profits it makes, isn't it? And um, you you kind of wonder whether intellectually that that is a sign that uh, the, the idea of, of free and unfettered markets is is pretty much in retreat. I mean, it seems to be a a global phenomenon that we're going back to a, a more corporatist. Yeah. economic system isn't it and um and, and that might be reflecting the insecurity we feel around supply chains and and all these these kind of interlinked kind of problems and the the obvious answer is that the governments are, are taxing in order to in a sense to repatriate that capital back to the homeland and and build up uh you know resilience in their you know supply and capacity maybe that 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 could be a broader economic point we'd have to ask um uh, Rutland's most famous Marxist yes. economist, uh, Chris <laughs> Dillow, whether he agrees with that. But so we could get Chris on next time. He's before he retires. That would be quite good.
0: Yeah, yeah, we definitely should. Definitely should. Um, Julian, just uh, back, uh, back to the, back to the FTSE three hundred and fifty. What, what have, um, what have you looked at? Um, what have you looked at for the IC? Yeah,
3: so I looked at. Uh, I uh, covered banks, uh, insurers, and pharmaceutical companies, I think that was the three, um, the main ones. And um, you can sort of sum it up in relatively simple terms, like, you know, the banks are going to benefit from higher rates this year. Uh, That's essentially a a government uh, driven uh, profit drive, more or less. Um, The insurer seems to be seem to be benefiting as well from from everyone paying higher premiums, uh, you know, inflation's feeding through that into that industry, and and, and that tends to benefit the payouts that investors are getting. So uh, a lot of people are looking, eyeing up the, the yields uh, that insurers are generating um as a form of inflation proof income in uh in a in a in a sort of funny sort of way. But even even with the insurers, if you if you know, if you take that some of them are returning up to 19% of their are returning as so are yielding like 19% what's doing. Include all the special dividends and the and the buybacks and things like that. So that's a, that's an incredibly enticing uh, proposition for a lot of shareholders who are struggling, you know, to try and de- generate an income out of their capital that that keeps pace with the the rate of their cost increases. Um, and the last one I looked at was was in detail was pharmaceutical uh, companies, and uh, the story there in in the FTSE 350 is really about the uh, emerging. Um, competition between Glaxo and um, AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca has a a decade-long head start on Glaxo when it comes to uh, improving the quality and value of its uh, product pipelines. And um, Glaxo recently has been trying to redirect the company towards higher value or generating higher value. And uh, part of that process is going to be splitting up in the end of this quarter um, the old consumer products business and uh, essentially using the the proceeds or the the, the ability to generate um uh, using the the leverage that they can generate out of that to to refit and restock their pharmaceutical product pipeline which ultimately is far more valuable uh to the company um than um selling toothpaste and lucas aid or as was uh so yeah so that that, that is the, that's the three kind of themes in there uh, you know it's a uh, the market is looking at, at, at trying to find uh, sources of income, and I think that's going to be a um, a dominating trend, really, for all of those all of those sectors because they're all essentially uh, cash machines in one way or another for investors if they get their their business models right.
0: Have um, did I read you? You wrote a little uh, summary of Glaxo's first quarter results. Did I read they've come up with a better name for their for their new? Uh for when they split up the new new GS they're gonna call it helion Helion, which is going to be the the consumer products arm
3: uh and they're trying to find the great and the good at the moment to staff the um the board uh it, yeah i mean it's 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 probably something that should have happened years ago I and mean, the, 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 arguably the 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 merger has held both sides of the company up as it was the old glaxo and the old Beecham companies that combined and uh so i I, th- I think you you could say that they're on the kind of journey towards um revitalizing the share price in in both of those entities when they when they eventually when helion eventually lists and and glaxo starts to see some sort of benefit from from restocking its pipeline so that, i mean that's quite an interesting corporate restructuring story so i've gone into into that a bit in the in the footsie 350 piece uh in terms of other pharma companies there's not that many left so you, you've got uh a couple of generic suppliers, uh, one of which is, uh, has a markets in North Africa. Um, and the others seem to have either disappeared or been sold off. Um, and yeah, the, the, the sector looks very, very top heavy when it comes to what's actually available to the UK investor. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Well, thanks Julian. And then Alex, um, don't know if you want to mention yours as well. You you wrote, wrote wrote a few house builders that you have again, and
2: yeah, I think it's my it's swan song uh, writing about property. Hopefully, uh, given that we've uh, Mitchell um, has just joined a, a team as our new property writer. Yeah, so I mean the, the the themes they're probably familiar to people who've listened to the podcast in the last couple of months, but the the house builders completely beaten up. But I think there's probably value there, and the the updates from from a few of those this. This um, uh, week implied that you know interest rates going to 0.75% is not terminal for their businesses, even if um, you know more people are now predicting that house price bubble is is likely to peak this year. I mean it has to at some point. Um, and then the the sort of hodgepodge that is the REIT sector, where you have so many different um, so many different uh, subsectors to that um it, it's It's kind of difficult to surmise it all in one in one theme other than you know the effects of inflation and, and interest rates. but I suppose the you know the top line for for the REITs is where where is where is demand the strongest for for um among among tenants? um The office sector looks quite shaky, I think, um even though there are you know there are pockets where which reportedly. Uh, coming back quite strongly. Um uh the self-storage uh game has run up incredibly in the last few years. Um and those those companies looking quite highly valued, but demand is still very strong there. Um Ditto the, the logistics and and, and uh and, and warehouse businesses um and uh Mitchell in his inaugural piece this, this week is, uh, did a, a really good write-up about asking whether the, there's a bubble in in sheds uh which is uh uh yeah sort of weird weird concept isn't it but um uh so yeah that's that's a, a good sort of um yeah kind of a, a segue to to something that investors in that space should be should be looking at um over the coming months um is, is that that's yeah. utility sheds isn't it for sort of industrial estates not not garden sheds that's right it's not we're, yeah the other thing you didn't mention that you did on your your east uh, your easter break Julian, you put up a shed as well you i think you undersold yourself you laid a patio no i, I took, a down, a shed. I took, took down, down a shed sorry okay. I, yeah I, I took down my storm damaged shed but,
1: yeah there's uh, another reason there was, why you shouldn't invest in,
0: in sheds that size <laughs> yeah <laughs> lovely stuff well well thanks guys um yeah well worth a read this uh this uh three uh footsie 350 supplement as i said there breaks down the FTSE 350 into various sectors. I think 37, uh, maybe maybe more than that. I think I can have 37. And yeah, our our team of writers has given an overview of the sector and uh, a favorite company as, as well as an outsider. So um yeah, well well worth uh well worth looking at. Right, before we uh before we head up uh, any other business Julian, something on travel?
3: Yeah, some interesting stuff out this week on um uh, travel companies, or at least uh, companies that are dependent on people traveling. So, the first one was uh, WH Smith, which seems to be seeing a, a recovery in its sales basically based on the fact that they've got lots of outlets in train stations and airports, um, so that everybody stuck in the lines at, say, Manchester Airport can buy something to read. um and the other one was Go Ahead Group, which is uh, the long and un, lastly unlamented runner of the uh, the Southeast Rail franchise, I believe, or well, as was. And um, uh, Gemma wrote, wrote a really interesting piece about how that company is trying to emerge from its uh, long sort of two-year pandemic-induced slump. Uh, but the most interesting thing that came out of that is how much it seems to be sweating its assets. So it's the company's depreciation um, versus its capital spending is, is out of sync. So the, the average age of its fleet of what's left of its buses and trains has gone up sort of two years. Um, so that, you know, that the, there seems to be a, although that's fine in the short term, that there, there seems you can sort of predict in a couple of years time that the capital cost of, of replacing everything is going to be quite high. Uh, so I thought that was an interesting point that Gemma picked up there. So even despite the fact that, that more people are traveling um we're still below pandemic levels uh yeah investors shouldn't look too early for a recovery in that sector or at least try to time it a little bit better because they could end up essentially having to finance a complete recapitalization if if you get in at the wrong time surely renationalization is the way forward uh yes so speaks the libertarian yes (laughs) i think it might be yes Um, I don't know it it seems to be the only way that you can run massive capital assets effectively isn't it because the state is the only one that has the financial ability to borrow at low rates in order to finance the spending you need to keep it running so I mean this long sort of nightmare of of franchises and and things like that just hasn't really worked as I mean you have to you, you have to be sort of honest about it they might do better with buses but even there they you know certain regions are starting to to regulate bus services, and you can just, you could almost say that 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 the yields are going to be squeezed
0: because of that nice one julian thank you what uh, what are you working on this week? anything good
3: um i've got a a tip idea to write for um Alex. yep, and um, i don't know I don't think I'm doing anything else particularly into that. I think that'll take up most of my week i think nice
0: nice, nice, nice.
3: Uh, and then Mark, it's a bank holiday again on Monday.
0: It is another bank holiday. We've been spoiled. Uh, Mark, you're t- taking stock back this week? uh
1: Yes. Uh, going along the lines of what I was talking about earlier on the uh, fiduciary fiduciary uh, responsibilities of directors and how they seem to have been skewed of
2: late. Nice. IMO.
0: Nice. Ideas farm, Alec.
2: Yes, ideas from. So I've, I've got to follow the Berkshire Hathaway uh, AGM this weekend as well. Um, because I'm writing the the cover feature on that for next week. Um, so yeah, I'll be tuning into to Omaha at some point on Saturday for my sins.
0: Nice working on a weekend. That's that dedication. That dedication.
3: Is that, is that going to be quite late? At lo- uh, it's going to be quite late at night for you, isn't it, Alex?
2: Yeah, I look, I'm, uh, <laughs> you've you've rumbled me. I'll watch the highlight reel for the next day. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, um, that's, all, that's all
0: for us uh, this week. Nice to, nice to have you all back after a week off. Um, and we'll see you again, listener, um, same time next week. Thank you very much. The Companies and Market Show was edited and produced by me, John Rogers. And don't forget to head on over to our Apple Podcasts or Spotify or ACAST channel. Hit subscribe and we'll turn up straight into your feed uh, each Friday. See you next week.